You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Guys, I always look forward to Sunday morning and being able to be together as a family, to worship God, to fellowship, to, to kind of re-engage with those members of the church that you don't see on, a, on an everyday basis. You know, there's something special that we have here as a family. You know, my name is Chaz Zenteno, and along with my wife, Olivia, we lead the campus ministry here in the West Side, which is encouraging. Uh, and we are currently 14 weeks pregnant, which is pretty exciting. So let me, we're going to be finding out whether it's a boy or a girl very soon, which means you guys will be finding out about 10 minutes after us, because that's how good my wife is at Facebook. Like, it'll be plastered, it'll be posted, like, you guys will feel like you're there with us. You know what I'm saying? Like... Wow, yeah, this is great. You know, so I'm, you know, as we're coming up on, you know, kind of figuring it out, Olivia has, you know, her idea. She really feels like it's a girl. I really feel like it's a boy, but we're both like, you know, we both are excited about whichever. And so I'm, even as a, we're so early still, our due date is in November, but I'm already looking at, you know, different gear. I'm just calling it gear, not baby stuff. You know, the women have the little, so, I don't even know what they're called, like the, the cloth wraps and, you know, it looks all natural, like you're just walking with your baby. I'm looking at like tactical. I want buckles and straps and clips and I just want to be the one-stop shop, you know, when this happens, when this goes down. But, you know, with a child coming on the way lately, it's been interesting the way that in the last couple weeks, even in my own personal times with God, different scriptures are starting to hit me in different ways. Thinking about having a child and and the different aspects of God and parenting and and the way that those kind of correlate. And so this morning I wanted to share with you uh, just something that I've been learning in the last couple weeks that I feel like is really one of the most basic aspects of our relationship with God, but one of the most crucial And so the title of my lesson this morning is, oh, we are good. We are not good. title of my lesson this morning is The Reverend. And you might be thinking, Chaz, I I saw that movie. That's the one with Leonardo DiCaprio, right? He he gets mauled by a bear. He wins an Oscar. You know, no, you're you're thinking of The Revenant. Different movie. That's a different lesson entirely. We will not, even, even Leo looks confused in this picture. You know what I'm saying? We'll be getting into that later right this morning we're going to be talking about reverence specifically reverence for god and so if you guys will turn with me to second samuel chapter six you know in second Cham- second samuel i'm a little under the weather so you got to forgive my my monotone froggy voice right now but in second samuel chapter six right we pick up as david is bringing the ark of God back to Jerusalem, right? They've been conquering, they've been out on the warpath, they've been having battles, and, and they finally have the ark and they're bringing it. The plan is, hey, we're bringing God and the ark of the covenant back to Jerusalem. And so this is just an incredible time where they're celebrating, there's music that's playing, but there is an incident that happens along the way. And we're going to look into this here in 2 Samuel chapter 6, starting at verse 1. The Bible reads, David again brought together all the able young men of Israel, 30,000. He and all his men went to Bala and Judah 
to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim on the ark. They set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it. And Ahio was walking in front of it. David and all Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord, with castanets, harps, lyres, timbrels, sistrums, and cymbals. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark of God, because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. And therefore God struck him down, and he died there beside the ark of God. Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And to this day, that place is called Perez Uzzah. You know, so they're bringing the ark back from Jerusalem. They had this great idea. They go, let's put it on the cart. So they're bringing the cart, having a great time, playing music, fired up. And one of the oxen stumbles. And this guy Uzzah goes, oh no, it's, it's falling, it's tipping over. So he reaches out to grab it. And he grabs the ark, and he, when he touches it, he dies. Right? God kills him dead on the spot because of his irreverence. And then when you read this story, you can go, Chaz, this sounds horrible. This is the Old Testament, right? I mean, horrible things happened in the Old Testament. This sounds horrible. It sounds like God killed this dude for trying to do the right thing. I mean, would it have been better for the ark to just fall and everything spill out? And would that have been better? But this is really exactly what we're talking about today. And as we look into this, I hope that God can kind of open up the scriptures here so that we can get a, a real understanding of what God's idea of reverence was. And so my one and only point today is simply a healthy dose of godly fear. You know, reverence means to deeply respect and be in awe of something. You know, and in the Old Testament, the ark of God was holy. Right? It contained the, the staff of Aaron that had budded. It contained the golden jar of manna. It contained the Ten Commandments. I mean, it was beyond holy. The ark of God, when they put it in the temple or when they put it in the tent of meeting, God himself, his spirit would come down and that's where he would reside among the people. So this wasn't just, hey, you know, here, oh, here's the ark. Yeah, I'm going to throw that back in the closet. Like, no, this was the ark of God. And because it was so holy, right, God had given very, very specific instruction on how you were to build it and how you were to handle it and how you were to transport it. Because this was special, the whole nine yards. And God expected his people to have enough respect for him and enough love for him to obey his commands and obey his instructions in how you were to do this. But instead, really, we see in this passage, it sounds like everything is great, right? Even the tone of the author, the way that he kind of writes, hey, they went up there, they got the ark, you know, they put it on a brand new cart, and then, you know, they're walking with it, and they're playing. It almost sounds like everything is just, is fine. But if you go back and you read Numbers, if you go back and you read Leviticus, you find out that from the very beginning, they're doing it wrong. 
The ark had rings on it where you were actually supposed to extend poles because the ark could only be transported on foot by men. You couldn't throw it on a cart. No, this, you had to carry it. And in fact, every certain amount of steps that the ark traveled while these men carried it, you had to offer a sacrifice. Just so that even the ground they were walking on was clean enough to God that the ark could travel over it. You had to be playing music, so they did that well. You had to be worshiping God, but you also had to cover the ark with a, with a special, durable leather covering. Because the ark wasn't just supposed to be out there on display for everyone. It was supposed to be covered and protected. And above all, you were never, ever supposed to touch the ark. And so they throw it on a cart. They're just kind of wheeling it down the road. And it falls. And this guy, Uzzah, grabs a hold of it. And because of it, he dies. You know, God will not stand to be treated like a normal thing. God will not stand to be treated the same way that we treat normal things. God is holy. And God expects there to be a healthy level of fear of Him out of respect and love. And you go, Chaz, okay, fear, help me get this. Because fear, we talk about being courageous, we talk about being bold, not living by fear, not being run by fear. Help me understand how God wants me to be fearful. Well, this is something we see all throughout the Scriptures. That there is a level of, of fearful respect that God demands that we have of Him. God is holy. You know, in Exodus 33, verse 20, Moses asked, you know, show me your glory. And God said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. I am so holy. Moses here. In fact, what I'll do is I'm going to put you in this little hole in the rock. And as I get close, I'm going to cover you with my hand until I walk by. and You can see my back. You and I, we are that close. You can see the back of me. But if you were to see my face, you would die. Wow, that's powerful, right? Jeremiah, you know, Jeremiah's complaining to God and he's kind of venting some of his feelings to God in verse 15. And in verse 19, God says, if you utter worthy, not worthless words, you will be my spokesman. Hey, watch the way you talk to me. You better make sure that if you represent me, you're uttering worthy, not worthless words. You know, Job, when Job is, is kind of in the midst of his, of his frustration and in the midst of all these things that he's kind of bringing, these accusations against God, when God finally shows up on the scene, I love this, he says, Who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Who are you to talk to me like this? You know, and finally in Isaiah 38, you know, Hezekiah, the king, they're, they're, the whole city of Jerusalem is under siege by Assyria. And one of their messengers comes up and, you know, he's bad-mouthing the Israelites and he's bad-mouthing the city and everything is, you know, it's kind of like, okay, this is normal war. Like, you know, you're talking smack a little bit. And then he starts talking smack about God. And God speaks through the prophet Isaiah. And he's talking to 
that representative of Assyria, and he says, because you rage against me, and because your insolence has reached my ears, I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth, and I will make you return by the way you came. You don't mess with God. And when we talk about healthy fear, where does this healthy fear? This is a healthy fear of how powerful God is and who God is and recognizing what God has done compared to us, compared to man, compared to the world. We think of the powerful men in our world, the world leaders. God says, man, your insolence better not reach my ears. Otherwise, I'm going to put my hook in your nose and I will lead you the way I want you to go. And I think the reality is the truth. You know, we've all experienced in some way a healthy dose of fear and respect that comes from love. Right. And so you may go, I don't know what he said. No, in, in some way, we've all kind of experienced this. You know, with me, it was my dad. Growing up, you know, my dad and I were so close. Uh, you know, this is one of the things that I, I look so forward to in, in having a, a child is, you know, kind of this relationship that I had with my dad. You know, I grew up wrestling with my dad, having Nerf gun fights with my dad, getting, you know, he would lay pillows out just so he could toss me around the living room. You know, we had so much fun together. It, it was, I loved it. But my dad would not stand by idle if I disrespected him or especially if I disrespected my mom. Oh, that, that was not a good experience. You know, my dad had this expectation that I loved him and that I would respect him enough to be obedient to him and to be obedient to my mom. And I remember this one time we were at this very nice restaurant. We were having brunch. It was a Sunday after church and I was having a bad day. I was like three or four. And you go, do you really remember three or four? This, this was a memorable, this was a memorable occasion. You know, so we're at this nice restaurant. We're dressed nice and we're having brunch and everything is going great. And I'm having a little bit of an attitude. And, you know, I'm playing with my action figures at the table because that was what I did. You know, I cleared off a little space and I'm just going it. And my mom, you know, she's kind of going through the menu. Okay, you know, you want this? Do you want a waffle? Do you want, you know, she's kind of going through. And I, and I don't know what it was that possessed me in this moment. But I turned and I gave just a really mouthy disrespectful, I don't even know if it was words, if it was just a noise. You know, kids make like frustrated noises. I, I don't know what it was, but I made this incredibly disrespectful remark to my mom at the table in front of everybody. And there were like our friends there with us. And, they, and I remember my mom, she's kind of sitting there looking at me. And I, I realized this later in life because I didn't know where she was looking at, but she kind of did one of these. Her eyes flicked up and that was the signal. Like, I should have known in that moment that she was looking at my dad over my shoulder. You know, I'm just kind of like, made some kind of frustrated, no, like, leave me alone, mom. And there's the look, like, all right. And so my dad goes, hey, son, you know, let's go for a walk real quick. (laughs) And you should know, kind of in those moments, when you get asked to go for a walk, bad things happen on walks, solo with your parents. You know what I'm saying? And so we go on this walk, and... And we walk outside the restaurant, and I'm walking in front. My dad always walks next to me. I'm walking in front, and, you know, 
So we're walking out there, and I remember still feeling like really annoyed with my mom. Like, man, why is she asking me this? I'm not playing with my toys. I'm on this walk. And my dad's hand. And my, you know, when you're small, your parent, everything seems big. But my dad, I promise you, his hands were like as big as, it seemed like a skillet. And so this hand comes down on my shoulder, like just engulfing my whole shoulder. And I remember look, like looking like, oh. And then it felt like a hand grenade just kind of went off in my back pocket. Like, I realized later that he had just, you know, reached down. But my feet probably left the ground. Like, that's the hand was holding, you know, boom. And I, like, left. And, like, there's a moment of weightlessness. And then you, like, come back down. And and I'm just like, ah. And I remember crying. And it, it felt like it was from the middle of my back all the way down to the back of my knees. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was just so bad. And I'm sitting there, and I'm just turning around, like, what just happened? You know, I'm crying. And my dad, you know, he gets down, and he kind of kneels down with me, and we had a whole conversation, uh, had a whole talk about disrespect and disrespecting my mom. And, you know, he gave me a hug, and we kind of hugged it out. And then we came back. And to be honest, that's the only time I can remember ever getting spanked by my dad. Because after that, you know, if I was being, like, funky, if I was having a moment, my dad would just... Hey! And I, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, and it was just, there was that, all he had to do was kind of look at, you know, he, his eyes would get all big. And, and I remember, it was like, the memory of it just came hit, and I went, okay, yep, all right. You're right, Dad, I'm sorry. Like, but there, and it wasn't like the rest of my life, I grew up, and, and I was f- afraid of my dad. You know what I'm saying? It, it wasn't a fear, like, man, I'm afraid my dad is going to hurt me. It was never that. In fact, I felt, if anything, I felt more loved by my, you know, the fact that we sat down, we talked about it, gave me a hug. I didn't, I felt, walked away feeling totally resolved. And if anything, to be honest, having experienced firsthand that skillet explosion, I felt more confident about how strong my dad was. And I would tell, you know, my dad is stronger than your dad. Like, you haven't experienced it. But there, there was a sense of, man, I felt confidence in how powerful my dad was. And in, his, and in his discipline. And it really did teach me a lot about respect. And, and respecting my mom, respecting my dad. And the question becomes, you know, do we view God in the same way? Do we treat God with the same respect and with the same reverence in our daily lives? You know, are we moved to obey because of God's holiness? Because of his power. Even in the little things. Can can I be real with you guys for for a minute here? I mean, I think, honestly, guys, and I want to speak to, you know, the West Side Church here. If you're visiting with us for the first time, like, you can just tune this out, like, or listen. It's up to you. Um, But I want to speak just to the church. I think when, when we show up to church 10 minutes late, 15 minutes late, When the worship team who's been practicing all week is up here and they're already singing songs to God and trying to lead our hearts to be connected with God. And we're still kind of talking and fellowshipping with one another instead of going, "Okay, nope, this is time. That says a lot about our reverence. When we can't show up to worship God on time, that says a lot about our reverence. 
That says a lot about how important it is that we give God our best. And that doesn't mean you have to show up in church in a three-piece suit, but I think it does mean you should show up on time. I think we owe God, I'm not even going to say at least that much, because that would be stupid. We owe God that, to be able to give him our best when it comes to our attention, when it comes to our worship, when it comes to our timeliness. And I think this is what reverence looks like. And when we don't have the right perspective on who God is, when we're not living in kind of this state of, again, this healthy love and respect and a healthy fear of God that guides our lives. You know, you see it with David and with the guys, we start to drift. We start to cut corners on our convictions. You know, it's interesting to me in that passage that at the end, you know, David was angry that God killed Uzzah. David was the leader. David was the man after God's own heart. If, every, if anyone, you know, should have known, hey, guys, we should really be carrying this thing. Hey, guys, we should really be offering the sacrifices. Hey, God, this thing, this thing should really be covered. If anyone should have known that, it was David. But you see, even in this moment, David kind of cutting corners on his conviction and cutting corners on his reverence with God. You know, we can start to put God on a cart instead of carrying our cross with one another. You know, how are we doing today in our friendships? How are we doing today in your heart towards the people that God has put in your life that maybe are a little difficult to love? Are we still giving them our best out of a reverence for God? Or are we, are we putting the ark on a cart when it comes to our relationships? You know, when, we're not, when our reverence for God is out of whack, we can start to reach for the ark like Uzzah did. Something that maybe in his right mind or at a time when he was a little bit more spiritually on tune, he would have never thought in a million years, hey, I should touch that. But in this moment, right, he reached for the ark. How are we doing with our own personal righteousness? How are we doing with our purity? With just the sin in our lives? Are we reaching for things that in our right minds we wouldn't reach for in a million years? How's our reverence for God? How's our attitude towards sin? I think even, you know, something this does is when you don't have your reverence for God on straight, it just kind of convolutes your conviction a little bit. I mean, when you read that passage, Uzzah, I think, genuinely thought he was doing the right thing. Right? In his mind, man, this is going to fall. Like, I need to. But even that kind of shows the twist. That even in that, his conviction was so convoluted that he thought, oh no, this justifies me doing this instead of, I should have spoken up in the beginning so this situation never happened. And I think sometimes we can get into this place where we kind of justify some of the things that, well, I had to lie to that person because otherwise, you know, the truth would have really hurt their feelings. And we can get so twisted even in our convictions and get so convoluted sometimes when our reverence for God is out of whack. You know, and finally, I think one thing that we can do when our reverence is not on straight is we can let go of God's protection to seek protection from other things. 
Right? We can let go of, of knowing and trusting wherever the ark was, whatever city it was in, wherever place it was, right? That place was always blessed. And if you read, if you continue reading in 2 Samuel 6, David gets so freaked out that they actually just park the ark at this dude's house and then they leave. They're like, okay, dang, we, we're not taking this into the city. And he starts kind of panicking. So they, they leave it at this guy's house and they go back to Jerusalem. And it's not until months later when they keep hearing that the ark has been at this guy's house and this guy has been faithfully kind of ministering to the ark and everything he owns, all his sheep are blessed, his land is blessed, his family's blessed, his finances are blessed. David goes, uh, maybe we should go get that thing, bring it back here. Right? But he, he thought, okay, we don't need that. We can leave the ark and kind of do our own thing. You know, where are we turning for our emotional security? Where are we turning for our sense of purpose when our reverence isn't on straight? Is it that girl? Is it that guy? Is it that job? Is it that friendship or that status, that position? You know, are we turning to these things? I think ultimately, you know, how do we get this holy fear? You go, Chaz, okay, I, I, get, I get what you're saying. Uzzah died. I need to have this holy fear. I need to have this reverence. Man, how do we get that? How do you get this? Turn to Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7. As we bring it in here, you know, how do we get a holy fear? In Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7, the Bible reads, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Man, what was it? This is Jesus, right? What was it that allowed Jesus to have this connection? Man, it was the time that he spent with God. Right? You read this passage, his life on earth, the prayers, the petitions, the cries, the tears, the time that he was spending connecting with God and just knowing who God was. I think for too long, some of us have just gotten by on saying, okay, man, I connected with God. I read my Bible for 15 minutes, prayed in the car on the way to work, and we are connected. This is awesome. Right? And we let that kind of be our relationship with God. And maybe it's not that you were never reverent or you never felt like, wow, God is powerful. I need to have this attitude. But it's just that you've kind of forgotten who God is. Like talking to someone on the phone for 10 minutes doesn't really tell you who they are. I think if we're going to really have this healthy dose of knowing who God is and having this reverent fear, this respect, this love for God, how do you get that? You've got to know who God is. You've got to be spending time with God. And I don't, I'm not going to put any legalistic, you know, people be like, Chaz, you can't give me a minimum amount of time. I will tell you a story, though. There was a guy in our campus ministry a couple years ago who, awesome brother, uh, and after being here for a little while, I get with him, and he's been going through some stuff and having a tough time, and, and I don't know what it was, but I knew he was having his daily time with God, you know, connecting with God, reading his Bible every day, but something just kind of prompted me, and I asked him, I said, bro, so how long, you know, how much time do you spend with God every day? And he goes, well, I mean, I spend probably a solid 10 minutes reading my Bible every day. I said, wow, is, is that it? And I remember he looked at me and he said, you mean I can do more? 
Yes, you can. In fact, I'm shocked that you survived this long on so little time with God. And so I said, bro, I'm going to be legalistic with you here for one week. I said, what I want you to do is I want you to go home. I want you to read your Bible, block out time to connect with God for one hour. I said, you might feel like that's legalistic. Jesus himself said, you know, can't you pray with me for a single hour? So I feel like there's a solid basis for this. But for just one week, just bear with being legalistic for a little bit. For one week, I want you to read your Bible for an hour a day and tell me what happens. He comes back to me after the first day. He goes, bro, I know you told me to read an hour, but I kind of just lost track of time. And like, I think I was reading my Bible for like two and a half hours yesterday. It was amazing. And he started getting emotional. He started like getting teary and, and started just telling me everything that he was learning. And I thought, man, isn't that the way that we were when we first kind of came in contact with who God was? Right? Isn't that the way that we were maybe at some point when we were studying the Bible and you first got a really good sense of how God is good? And those times with God that you spent just kind of bled over and you had to stop yourself maybe at some point. You're like, man, okay, I. I literally need to go to class right now or work or I've been in here for, I need to go. Like, but there was this sense of you knew who God was. I want to challenge us all today to get back to that heart of reverent fear, to get back to having a healthy dose of godly fear, of respect and a love that comes from knowing who God is and knowing what God feels about us, but also what God feels about the way that we live. And I want to leave you guys with these two practicals for this week. These are kind of like homework assignments. Number one, to ask yourself, is my attitude towards people reflective of how much reverence I have for Jesus' sacrifice? Is my attitude towards people reflective of how much reverence I have for Jesus' sacrifice? And number two, is my attitude toward my own sin reflective of how much I fear God? To do a little self-check this week as you're spending time with God and to really connect in this way. Think if this is where we can get to, guys, there's nothing that we can't do. Let's have an incredible reverence for God and for God's word. Amen? Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.